the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Paul is live in studio with me. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and you're listening to The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions or life questions or anything else that's on your heart. We will do the best that we can to answer them, and all you have to do is call us, 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. You can call toll-free if you're outside the local area by dialing 877-630-K. KSLR numerically that's six three zero five seven five seven. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. You can also send your questions in via our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. If you're driving in your car, be safe and use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now button at the top of the screen. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. One more time for our main phone number, 340-9585. Paula, welcome to the show. Thank you, sweetie. What's going on? Well, a lot. (laughs) No, um, I was just thinking, kind of looking over my notes from Sweet Summer Devotion from uh, Phyllis the other night, and she had us cracking up, crying, going, hmm, and oh yeah, quite a bit. So, um, you know, because we live in this city, um, it's kind of hard sometimes to hear some of the things that we hear, but she started off, and now Phyllis, if you didn't watch her, is black, and I'm, I'm, that's a weird thing for me when I hear like black people say they were raised Catholic. That's just a weird thing for me. I'm so sorry. It's just I was like, really, but yeah, from little kid all the way up through um, high school, um, but raised Catholic. But she heard one day First uh, John one nine from somebody, and th- this is what they told her: You don't have to go to a priest to confess. She's like, what? And she found out that to know who Jesus is, is being in his word and finding out who he is, the freedom that you have in Jesus Christ. And from then on, she wanted a personal relationship. She was always religious, and and she's kind of a rule follower, even though she's kind of spunky. She's a rule follower. (laughs) But to know him is to know his word and have a personal relationship with him. And then she said she found out that she needed God's unconditional love because she had already been in to um, one very abusive marriage, and she wasn't having that again. And then in the second marriage, he hit her one time, and she was like, no, that we're not having this. So she took her two boys and moved on. But she came to Calvary Chapel, San Antonio, and I forgot this. The first night she came here was when the first time Raul Reese spoke here. And she had been listening to him on the radio. So when she walked in here and saw that it was raw, it was like God was saying, this is, this is your new home. Um, 
But she said when she came here, three things kind of stood out, that the men were the ones who were the leaders of this church. Um, Second, she saw godly marriages. And the third thing was Sam said, your giving is between you and God. And those three things really impressed her, Um, you know, in particular in the black churches that I grew up going to. It was mostly women who were the leaders, you know, and and mostly. I I think Phyllis mentioned that in her in her thing too. It's mostly women who were going, and um, yeah. And then the second thing was the many godly marriages that she was able to um, just look and listen, and and as a result of godly marriages, you have these godly kids. Not that they're perfect, but they understand. Um, and are secure that mom and dad both love Jesus. And because of that, they feel safe in their families. And then for Sam to say, you're giving me between you and God, because some of those other churches that I would visit, and I'm sure Phyllis had the same thing, passing two and three offerings, you know, depending on how, how many people speak is how many offerings. And if he spoke for a long time when he took his break, there would be another offering. I went to a church one time. They took four offerings. And I was new there. I had $10. And so I put my $10 in. The first time they came around, <laughs> I wanted to take some out the next three times just to put it back in because you feel so pressured. And so when, when Sam says, you know, uh, your giving is between you and the Lord, and don't give unless you're going to be able to give with a cheerful heart out of love for God. And so those three things were like, okay, this is, what, this is where I need to be. And so um, she says the one thing I really, really loved, and, well, two things still. She says true love only comes from Jesus Christ. And somebody asked her in the Q&A, so, Phyllis, because I think she's she's younger than me, but not a, by a whole lot. So, Phyllis, are you going to get married again? And there were two people <laughs> who need, who were going to ask a question. And so she went to this one person. Phyllis, are you going to get married again? She said, no. Next. <laughs> 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 she is not looking. See, Phyllis, I, you're probably not listening, but, but <laughs> in case you are, you can never say no because you don't know what God has in store for yeah, you. Yeah, we talked, we talked about that, too. But yeah, but she says she's so content with the husband she has right now, and he is just wonderful. Jesus is his name. And she went into Isaiah 54, you know, where um, he is the Lord of everything, and he loves her. She's good. <laughs> you know what? I always tell people who say that to me, that, that when you're content with Jesus as your husband, mm-hmm. well, that's when you're ready for a human husband. Yeah. Don't expect him to be Jesus, but God has been preparing you, and now in your contentment, mm-hmm. you're ready to move on. And yeah. most of the time I get that same look, oh, no, Pastor. Oh, no. I'm not, oh, no. She, said, she said, no, move on, next. Uh, but having come from religion to a relationship with Jesus Christ, because she, she wore our two-year-ago uh, women's retreat shirt, which says, under construction, she says, yes, I'm under construction, but I'm under new management. <laughs> so from religion to relationship, and and how sweet it is to be in a relationship. You know, uh, I, I watched the Sweet Summer Devotion, but as you were um, um, explaining to me when you got home, there were a lot of things that she didn't want to say mm-hmm. in the broadcast portion, yes. but things that got handled in the Q&A. That's why ladies need to be here. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it, You know, I tell the ladies, okay, you have 40 minutes, but if you only speak for 15, you can make up that in the Q&A. And um, Phyllis only spoke for like 25 minutes, but the Q&A was huge. And she didn't want to um, embarrass family or friends um, because they're still alive. Some are still stuck in their religion. And um, she wants them to be able to watch and listen to what she said and how different she looks um, without being offended in any way, shape, or form. And she was still very um, respectful in the Q&A. But, yeah, there's some things she just didn't want to share. Okay, before we go to a phone call, we've got one more Sweet Summer Devotion this coming Monday. Yep. Uh, Diane White. And, uh, you know... 
that's Terry Rush and Barbara, one of their daughters-in-law. And um, when they first came here, they were just a mess, you know. <laughs> and uh, to see their whole family's here now, yeah. you know, because they've seen the power of Jesus to be able to transform um, messy lives into just, they're just joyful people to be around. Yeah, yeah that whole family is just joyful to be around you just think lord look what you've done <laughs> i love james her husband he's a nut oh yeah but uh so faithful to serve and i'm I'm really anxious to hear what diane has me to too say. And, and again for anybody listening they don't practice in front of me i don't know what they're going to say um only one lady shared what she was going to say with you in writing but i didn't want to know because i still want to be you know like oh how cool. And so when I turn around and do the summing up with the ladies here, I could say, if God can use them, he can use you. If he can change a life this dramatic, he can change yours. And so I've just been having a blast. It's the best thing about our God. He is a transforming God. Mm-hmm. And if we will let him do it, he'll have his way. Let's go to a phone call on line one from Floresville is Margaret. Margaret, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Thank you for taking my call. This is uh, strictly personal. It has nothing, no question about the Bible. It's uh, advice. I have okay. a three-year-old granddaughter, and both of her parents, in my mind, are not fit at this time. And we have done everything we can to help them and to protect her. We've taken care of her for a lot of her life. At their, at their, at their request, the parents' request. And um, one of the parents, they both have problems with drugs. Hmm. And they took, the mother took her in December. We talked her into coming back, and she stayed with us until April. And she left with her again, but she is um, pregnant with another man's child. And after my granddaughter came back from there, she begged us not to let her go back. Oh, my if you've ever seen a two-and-a-half-year-old pray, we've hired lawyers, and one of the ones that I hired told me that lying was part of the business because I didn't want to lie to the child's mother to get her to bring her back and then not let her take her. I wanted to be honest. And so we've gotten rid of that lawyer, and um, the mother uh, was, um, they both had to take drug tests. They both came back positive and so we've had social workers involved we've spent a lot of money trying to get this figured out to protect my granddaughter because she's dating with two so tomorrow mm-hmm. she's supposed to go back to New Orleans and she's praying that she won't have to go back and I'm Margaret, are Go the ahead. social workers giving you any any direction? Are they giving you any help in terms of what not, uh, what ought to be done? Not, not really. Um, uh, we've uh, had our home checked. We've had my ex husband and his partner's home because that's where my son lives. And um, the most that she could let me know was that it would take ninety to one hundred and twenty days before she could even turn in her report. <coughs> and. My granddaughter is terrified to go back, and she uh, she truly is scared. And yeah. I, um, so like I said, I fired my lawyer when she said lying was part of the business, and um, I'm not putting it in the lawyer's hands anymore. And I'm just, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to make a decision that is going to make the family implode. But at this time, the child is more important than the two parents yeah. or my relationship yeah. with my son. I've tried, and he seems, uh, he ha- we had the most awful conversation Monday, and I haven't talked to him since. And I, I, it's like I don't even know who he is. Yeah. So yeah, I'm Margaret, thinking these... about calling him hotline. Yeah, um, I think uh, my, my suggestion would be to call uh, CPS when, um, is, is your granddaughter in Texas now? She's leaving tomorrow. She's been in Texas for six weeks, and we have called CPS, and um, it was suggested that we skip CPS, go straight to the hotline, the national hotline, and then they will work immediately. If we call CPS, it just kind of gets put in a, a, a 
bowl of names and you wait your turn. And uh, my granddaughter told me that uh, this man has made her mommy blood. And I asked where, and she said in her hair. And um, so it's like there's physical abuse. And now this person, she was a social worker and said that this man needs to go to jail and she doesn't want to go back. And so it's like, I am just, I am trying to do this God's way. My husband is trying so hard um, to do everything that's right for all parties involved, but we're, we're kind of to the point now to where we're just ready to wash our hands of the adults and uh, turn it over to the authorities and let God decide through them. Yeah. Well, I uh, have to pray. For, yeah, I hope I can encourage you a little bit. We, we've got some grandparents who have been in the same situation, uh, and it is always painful. It's, it's always a lot of broken hearts, and families do get shattered. But there is nothing, as you've indicated, more important than the safety and the well-being of this child. And if you and your husband are, as it appears, willing to take her in and provide a safe place, a loving place for her to be, then I think you do whatever you have to do. Now, I, I, I want to applaud your stand against lying. Lying is not the way things are done in God's community. Um, but uh, when your granddaughter's with you, if I understood right, she's going to be with you uh, soon. Um, I think at that point, you, you simply refuse to give her back. And um, at that point, the law is going to be on your side because they've, they've popped positive for their drug tests. Uh, there is all kinds of abuse. The, 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 it's unstable. Uh, my experience with CPS here, and we obviously are mandatory reporters, my personal experience with CPS is that when a child is in danger, um, they will move immediately. They're, they're slow in resolving things, for sure. But my immediate response from them has been, if a child is in danger, they will make a decision that leaves the, the temporary custody of the child in, in the home of the safest relative, and that, that in this case is, is you. Um, and then the legal process starts. And I'm going to warn you, your family will blow up, your kids will, and your, your, your son and your daughter-in-law um, will, will likely not, not want to speak to you again. Um, but sometimes that's a price that we pay for taking a stand. So I would get my granddaughter any way I could at home, and then I wouldn't give her up. And, and that's that's when I would have uh, an attorney call a hotline, call CPS, CBS, whatever you feel led to do in prayer. But uh, there, there isn't any way you can save your kids. There's no way you can save the kids. They have to make that choice on their own. Uh, you're a believer. They've watched you uh, as they've grown up, or at least your son has. And uh, if they're going to make decisions to, to, to sin, to, to do drugs, um, then you, you can stand before God with a clear conscience saying, my choice is to protect my granddaughter and simply refuse to give him back until the court orders you to. And in a situation like you've described, uh, it's, it's, a court is not going to order you to send them back into a place where the parents are actively doing drugs, where there's uh, physical abuse on the mother of, of the granddaughter uh, by another man. And um, um, again, as hard as it sounds, you may have to turn your back on forever, your kids. But at least they'll see that somebody loves their daughter enough to take a stand for what's right. And um, just, I hope this encourages you. I, I can think in the, right off the top of my head, four sets of grandparents that we have in our church right now who have gone through this legal bas- uh, battle and now have legal custody of their grandkids. And every one of those grandkids is thriving, absolutely thriving. And to see it is is just an indication how good God is. The other thing, Margaret, and I don't know um, about your situation because you're, you're calling from Floresville, but it seems like God is giving all these grandparents extra energy in, because they've got all this energy running around them now, and, and God's giving them the strength that they need to, to deal with the grandkids. So um, we'll pray for you. I know our audience will be praying for you. If there's any way that we can help, and I'm sure um, your church is doing everything that it can, uh, but you, you take a stand for your grandchild's safety. Paul, do you have anything you want to add? No, I just, that's... I wouldn't give her back. There's just no way. And yeah, and the and the people that we have here, they have had to put their own children out of their lives 
and sometimes even uh, restraining orders to keep them from uh, getting even close to their own children. So I'm so sorry. So sorry. Margaret, we'll be praying for you. Is there anything else we can help you with? No, I think that uh, pretty much answers my prayer. I mean, my question. Uh, the, the court has ordered her to go back to Louisiana tomorrow. So I'm thinking maybe we need to make a call right now. Yeah, you need to get her in your home now. And um, uh, if if they put up a, a, a fit uh, in, um, in trying to get her back, that's when you call the police and let them know what you've done. Let them know the calls that you've made. And you believe that your granddaughter is in danger. Margaret, would you uh, take some time maybe um, um, to, to shoot us an email at calvarysa.com, questions at calvarysa.com, and just let us know how things are going so we can keep praying, okay? Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Margaret. You know, Paula, one of the really tragic things that we see regularly is kids, some of them raised in the church, uh, who start making bad choices and they go down this line and um, grandparent after grandparent after grandparent becomes mom and dad all over again. And um, our saving hope, of course, is that the power of God is there and and the kids and the grandparents are are doing well. I should say the kids are thriving and the grandparents are surviving. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. Yeah, that's uh, that's just so sad for me, you know, to think that your own children are so out there that you have to kind of... It, and the thing is, parents, we try really hard to rescue our kids, and we end up prolonging um, them coming to the end of themselves. You know, she said she and her husband spent a lot of money. I'm sure they've, you know, bailed out their kids or helped them out as much as they could, you know, to do better. And... Um, it just a lot of times it doesn't work out. Yeah, and for for um, anybody who's in even a, a, a similar situation, uh, never bail your kids out when they're when they're in sin. Uh, that's when you trust them with the Lord. I know that's so counterintuitive yeah. to our instincts as a parent, but never bail your kids out yeah. when they are in sin. Yeah. Now, if they are genuinely repentant. That's a different story. But kids that are determined to stay in sin, uh, please call you and tell you they, they've got them. You tell them, keep them. Mm-hmm. They, they need to learn the lessons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will break your heart. Uh, it, you'll feel like the meanest parent in the world. But you're not, we're not helping our children when we continually deliver them out of trouble. Uh, all we end up doing is supporting a lifestyle of sin. Yeah. And it always gets worse. It never gets yeah. any better. And, the, and those grown children like that, they use their own children, your grandchildren, uh, to bribe you or threaten you. You know, you'll never see them again. Well, that's where we have to trust the Lord as well, because all of the parents you you talked about, um, you can name a few right off the top of your head. Well, I wrote down a few of the names right, right then and there, and they've all heard that very same thing. And yet, they're the caregivers. They're the actual legal parents now of those same said grandchildren. So, Margaret, I, I pray that that will give you hope as well. Yeah. But, yeah, call that hotline. Call it now. And let me say one more time, Margaret, all these kids that are now with grandparents are thriving. Mm-hmm. Paula, we've got three minutes left in this half. Let me tell the audience that uh, Paula and I are going to get really personal with you in the second half of the program. And... Um, Uh, We appreciate you kind of hanging through the break and being with us. I want to deal with some issues that that, uh, we're we're dealing with now and uh, do it in a way that I hope will not only encourage but sort of instruct um, how we're supposed to feel in difficult situations. Paula, we've got a little over two minutes. Okay. Well, let me just, I was thanking the Lord because uh, last night and for what we're going to be talking about in the second half, this is what came about. Our son, Terry, our younger son, Terry, um, came. He has um, business in Texas with his company that he's with. And so he was in Dallas and, and he wanted to come and see us. So he and his friend, Derek, who is a very um, devoted Christian, um, and our Terry isn't yet. Um, they came to see us, and it was so sweet, so sweet. And and our Terry, um, he's very very handsome. 
pretty tall, you know. I was telling uh, one of the ladies that Terry was that kid in high school where all the moms wanted Terry to be their son-in-law. You know, he didn't even have an interest in all the girls, of course, but he, the, he he's just that guy. He's so nice, um, and he's smart. He's just that guy, you know, and so to have him... He looks like me. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. <laughs> a foot taller, though. Yeah, a foot taller, a little, little tanner. Um, but they were here to be with us, and, and Derek played the violin with our worship team last night, and just was spectacular. What a sweet night it was. Even though they only were here for three and a half hours, maybe, they drove farther, longer than that to get here just to spend a little bit of time with us, and we'll tell you why on the other side. They wanted to see their dad. Yes. <laughs> Derek is six foot five. Terry is six foot two. We have a son, six foot two. Yeah, and Hard Terry looked short, didn't he? Yeah, Terry looked short, mm-hmm. but Derek did a great job, and he'd never seen those songs before. That's how accomplished mm-hmm. on the violin he is. We have 30 minutes left in the program, 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Remember, Paul and I are going to get a little personal with you in the second half of the program. I hope you'll be blessed. Back in two minutes. to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the second half of the program 340-9585 for your calls and questions and uh, a lot of us are going to be, are, are dealing in some fashion or form with with the things that we're going to talk about now. Uh, if if um, we can help you, please call. We've got thirty minutes left in the program. Uh, Paula, um, this is an awkward way to start. We don't like to talk about us so much on this program. Um, I, I've made it uh, known in the church, and I think I spoke about it on the on on the air here uh, on Tuesday. I'm having surgery. Um, to replace um, a bad device in my heart. Um, I have a pacemaker and a defibrillator from a little over a year ago, um, a time when I nearly died, and it just you know it came on so suddenly we weren't prepared for it. Uh, well, there's something wrong with the device, and, and then additionally there's they're going to add, it's a little more complicated this time because they're going to add a third lead to the lower left chamber of my heart. And they're doing that because the, the the heart lower left part of my heart hasn't synced up with the rest of my heart, and so they're gonna. It's a little more complicated. And when you face things like this, you know, I, it, it's not what we wanted. We asked for tons of prayer. Lord, fix my heart. I don't want to have to go through this whole thing again. The uh, recovery, the rehab from the first surgery. I, I wasn't even close to myself for five months. And now that I'm feeling good again and everything's okay, to get this news was devastating to us. Well, we announced it to the church. Now, a month has passed because it's uh, they had to schedule it in advance. Um, people are coming up to me. A lot of people are coming up and say, Pastor Ron, I've been praying for you. Are you scared? And I'm honest with people. I said, yeah, I'm scared. I, I, I don't. This isn't what I want to do. I'm disappointed. I'm afraid they're going to cut me open and, and you know, put me under. You never know what's going to happen. Um, let, me, let me also say, I'm sure I'm going to be okay. I'm sure I'm going to be fine. But when you have a large church, you've got a beautiful wife, and you've got people who have depended on you for a long time, you have to be prepared for anything that happens. And too many of us as Christians, you know, we just want to be in denial. No, God's going to be sure you're okay. I know it. And, and, and what we have to do is be equipped for whatever happens in reality. And Paula, one of the things that has been sort of overwhelming to me, I mean, I'm teaching a lot of these people, so it's, it's a little bit frustrating. But I'll say, yeah, I'm afraid. They'll look at me like they're disappointed. Well, why are you afraid? You trust God. I'm afraid because I'm a human. I'm afraid because I'm about to go through something that's going to disrupt a large portion of my life. Um, I'm afraid because every 
minute I can't do what I was born to do, um, I'm missing out. Um, I'm afraid because as a husband, you know, if they put me under and God forbid something horrible happens, I go right in the presence of Jesus. I'm going to be just fine. I'm not afraid of dying, but I'm still here on earth and I'm worried about you. Um, I don't want you sitting in a waiting room of a hospital and having a doctor come in and tell you something terrible happened. Uh, I I don't want to think about the grief that you're going to have to struggle through and the grief that our church will have to deal with. Um, So, yeah, I'm afraid of those things. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. It doesn't mean I don't trust the Lord. What it means, very frankly, is that I'm human. And we are wired by God with this tension between wanting to be with Jesus. You know me better than anybody on this earth. I want nothing more than to be with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Today, right now, mm-hmm. come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's right. The rapture, and we don't even finish the show. is yeah, perfect, right? that would be great. Um, but I also have deep feelings for the people that God has allowed us the privilege and the honor of ministering to. Um, and it had been my hope all along that as a pastor who teaches the Bible that people would be prepared for those kind of things and yet we sort of default into that denial mode no everything's going to be okay God told me it's going to be okay God hasn't told anybody it's going to be okay because only he knows here's where I know Calvary Chapel of San Antonio will be okay Um, I know eventually you'll be okay, but I still don't want to see you going through the kind of pain and grief that we've been ministering to others through for all that time. So my my reason for this, you know, we've got so much bad teaching. You know, if you just trust God enough, you won't be afraid. If you just trust God enough, he'll heal you. There's been so much bad teaching in our Christian culture that Christians, frankly, aren't prepared to deal with the really difficult things that happen in life to everybody. And um, when we wake up Tuesday morning and I get to the hospital real early, I am going to be really, really nervous. I'm going to honor the Lord. I'm not going to make a scene. I'm not going to fall apart. Um, But I'm going to go under an anesthetic praying, talking to Jesus. And um, hopefully I'll be fine. Everything will go well. There's a 90% chance that's going to happen. Um, but what what I really want to do is I want Christians to understand that bad things happen. And if somebody is afraid, we're to comfort them. We're not to condemn them. And I'm not saying anybody who's looking at me like I'm disappointed is condemning me. That's not the point. But you know what we need to do? We need to be men and women who simply will commit to prayer and be like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and say, nevertheless, thy will, not my will be done. We can make our request known, Paul said, with a grateful heart. Mm-hmm. But we, we need to make our, our request known to God, always, always capitulating to his will rather than our will. Uh, and I thought today, I, I think the Spirit was speaking to my heart, that, that you and me being honest about this today uh, would minister to some of the people in the audience. I know this is a very tender subject, obviously, for us because yeah. we're going through it. Mm-hmm. But um, share your heart. What's the, you're, you're afraid. Yeah, and I don't right. know anybody trusts God more than you. You're married to a nut. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think? The, what happens, Pastor Ron, is like <clears throat> you're the dad. You're the dad, you know, of a family, and when the when the dad's home, the kids just go on and go to bed. They're they're not thinking about their security. They know if there's some noise outside, Dad's going to get up and go check that out. Um, if, if somebody were to break in, the kids usually know where to hide, to hide, because dad's going to take care of it. Well, with you being afraid, it's like, then we should be afraid. But yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to continue living, even though we all know we're going to die and go be with Jesus someday? You know, we want the rapture. That's the easy, that's the easy way. Um, the other thing is to be like where you might be in under, not even know what's going on, and then wake up and you're with Jesus. That's the second best way. And then 
the third best way for me would be, and so I'm teaching and I say this all the time, and there's a picture window behind me and somebody, you know, shoots me in the back of the head. I don't see it coming. But with this kind of thing, you're going in with your eyes wide open of a possibility that you may not come back. For me, um, the enemy has already been planting um, fearful seeds, you know. I've, I've already been planning. He's trying to have me plan of what I'm going to say, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm going to live in the house for a year. You know, that's in the thing, you know, so I don't have to worry about moving. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm pretty used to you, Pastor Ron. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, um, I'm not really ready for you to be gone yet. And we've been talking for a lot of years. Um, <clears throat> you got saved when you were 39, excuse me, people. And we wanted you to be able to, you know, serve the Lord as pastor until you're at least 78. Well, I don't know. But we want to at least go to being together for 50 years. And so that's another two years at least. And so, um, yeah, it's kind of scary. But I think, you know, when we are fearful, um, demonstrating faith, because Jesus has already promised me, Paula, I love you. I always have. I always will. I'll always be with you, never to leave you or forsake you. And so I can hold on to those things and pray, Lord, no matter what happens, I want your grace to take control of me to sustain me because I do know and we can rejoice if this happens and you go to be with Jesus Tuesday I'm going to be irritated to no end first because I was saved first (laughs) I'm supposed to be the one who has to go through a surgery and dies on the table under anesthesia not the one left behind to grieve the loss. And if you make it through, Pastor Ron, you already said this the other day. We were kind of, you are kind of joking with me. Paula, I, if I make it through, I want to be a good patient so that you don't wish I had died. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the two things. You know, um, I would be sad if you weren't here. And so now I'm praying that I won't be irritated if you make it through and you're not a good patient. <laughs> so anyway, you know, I know I'm going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Um, either way, you're going to be okay. Well, one of, one of the am things... am I scared? Yeah, yeah I'm scared. And, and we should be, you know, Jesus was scared in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. Uh, the full forces of hell came against him, you know. I've had uh, the same nightmares. Uh, my nightmares are different, but the same same source for the nightmares. Yeah. Uh, the closer we get to the, the week, you know, I, I always thought when they told me we are going to schedule it for August 14th. Yeah, I want to say something though about that, too, because okay. it was July 16th when you had the appointment. Yes. And they were like, well, we could do it here, but we could do it August 14th. And I was like, let's get this thing done and over with. But that was not my, my place to say that, you know. This whole month of waiting is a killer. Well, see, it seemed good to me at the time. <laughs> yeah. Because I wanted to pray. I wanted to be sure that this is what God wanted me to do. The other thing is that gives me, like, almost a month for Jesus to come back. Well, I see your point. So I'm thinking, why go through it? If I mean, if I got the surgery right away mm-hmm. and Jesus came back like a week later, yeah. I'd be, how dumb was that? <laughs> so, um, you know, that that was my reasoning. But but now as we get closer to it, I just think, oh, let's just make it today, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. But, but there are things that we need to do. We need to prepare people. Yeah. Um, we need to prepare our church. We need to, to talk with Pastor Ken, and we need to, to talk with the elders. I mean, th- this there's a lot of responsibility. Now, again, I want to emphasize to the audience, uh, it's, it's supposedly an in one day and out the next day thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been through the more painful part of the recovery uh, the first time a year ago, a little over a year ago. Um, this time they don't have to cut a pocket again, and so hopefully... They're telling me it won't be quite as painful. Um, but but I don't want to miss any time here at church. 
Um, you know, we, we have to prepare who's going to fill in for me. Uh, if uh, I mean, I'm not going to be here next Wednesday night, obviously, and, mm-hmm. and, and Friday night. But, but I, I'm hoping I can teach the following Sunday. And in, in all likelihood, that's what's going to happen. But we, all of us, we need to be prepared for things that might happen. Um, just to leave things undone because we would rather be in denial is not helping anybody. And as a pastor, as your husband, mm-hmm. um, to leave you ill-prepared uh, is to sort of abdicate my responsibility to, to God to, to care for you and present you holy and blameless before the Lord. So what I want to do with this part of our program is simply let people know that to be in denial of things that might happen has no value in our lives. What we've got to do is focus on Jesus. He's with us in the good times. He's with us in the really difficult times. And whatever happens, I will come out on the other side okay. And though I'm afraid, and certainly it's unpleasant, nobody wants to go through unpleasantness, um, I'm going to be with Jesus one way or the other. And uh, I think those are the kinds of tests for our faith that we have to pass. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I've been teaching here for 23 plus years now and and uh, doing uh, teaching programs on the radio all over the world and, and doing this program now for six years, uh, if I fall apart because I'm afraid, then there's no credibility to the things that we've taught. And, and I want Christians to, to, to be based in the Word, uh, have a strong foundation, so that when things like this happen in their lives, their foundations won't crumble. And if every time something happens to us, we take the, oh, God's got this kind of approach, and, and are in denial of the, the potential things that could happen, uh, we're not helping anyone, nor are we doing anything at all. And um, uh, I'm, I'm afraid. Um, um, again, I'm going to go in there talking to Jesus, and he's going to put his arms around me, and I'm going to be okay. Um, but if it doesn't work out, the one thing that I want everybody to know is that I've lived the most privileged life ever. Being your husband... That's a pretty good job right there, I'll nope. say, right? You know, except for being saved. <laughs> It's the greatest privilege and honor of my life. And, and being the, the pastor of this church uh, is, is right behind it. Um, and I have lived every day for 27 and a half years serving Jesus without looking back. I have been terrified for a lot of those days. But me and Jesus, we just keep walking along. Mm-hmm. And he brings us to these wonderful, wonderful places. And, and so faith is the antidote to fear. I tell our church that all the time. And, and too many of us as Christians, Paula, we think, well, if I really had faith, I wouldn't be afraid. Mm-hmm. So we'd rather just go into denial. Yeah. But that's when we fall apart when something happens to yeah. us. Yeah. And I think that's the, you know, the, the goal, one of the goals of this radio program is to encourage and instruct. And so, you know, even... I, I, I just know there's a whole lot of people going, ah, now, because they've been feeling guilty because they've been afraid. You know, what kind of Christian am I if I'm afraid? Um, you're the regular kind of Christian, and I think that's why Jesus said so many times, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because he knew we would be. Yeah. yeah. I had somebody tell me, not, not, not related to this, but, but because they were worried about something, and they said, I know it's a worry. It's a sin to worry. It's not a sin to worry. Jesus, don't worry. Be anxious for nothing. But, but that's not like Moses coming off the mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what we do as humans. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Mm-hmm. And... Um, what we have to do is take those fears and those things that we're worried about and the things that sort of wrap us in all the wrong directions. Mm -hmm. We've got to take those things and lay them at the feet of Jesus. But if we're in denial, 
if we're convinced by an enemy and convinced by a generation of bad teaching that, well, if I'm afraid something's wrong with my faith, nothing could be farther from the truth. And what we really need to, to, to remember is that in our time of fear, we have to be like David. I mentioned this in our study last night. As the deer panteth for the water brook, so my soul longeth after thee. Um, for this three weeks now plus a little bit that we've been counting down to the surgery, um, I've been a thirsty deer a lot. <laughs> and, and that's what we're supposed to do. And what I want to do is completely eliminate this sense of, uh, oh, I got this. Uh, because we find out in, in crises that we don't have it at all. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I remember at the old apartment, this one lady, she had bought into that name it and claim it. And you can't, if you know, don't say anything negative because that's, you know, you're putting that on yourself. And, and she was just all into that and something bad happened and boy the language that came out of her mouth loudly yeah. and those are the people get angry at God yeah God where are you I claimed it I believed it yeah. um, but the reality is that we're flesh and blood mm-hmm. and you know this natural tension that we all have between wanting to be with Jesus and wanting to stay alive those two things don't seem to make sense mm-hmm. uh, Paul said um, to die and be with Christ is better by far, mm-hmm. but but for me to live is Christ. Mm-hmm. And and most people don't get that. He'd been to heaven, he knew it, but that was an expression of that tension. There's still ministry, there's still work to do. And and, and I'm certain that, that the Apostle Paul, as he counted down in the Mamertine prison in, in Rome, the, the time for his departure, uh, I'm sure there were times of great abundant grace, but there were also times of terror. Yeah. The enemy wouldn't leave him alone any more than he'd leave any of us alone. Mm-hmm. And in fact, probably it was the enemy himself that would come after Paul. After Paul, yeah. And, and he wanted to, to destroy his witness. Here's what I know for sure. Uh, if all goes as is planned, and that is, again, more than a 90% likelihood, um, if it goes as is planned... Um, uh, I hope and pray that I'm strong enough and physically able to be in the pulpit the following Sunday. Um, I'll be hurting. Nobody can hug me. I can't lift my arm or lift even five pounds uh, for a long time. Um, but um, I, I want to be able to declare wherever it is we are in Luke. Uh, that's what I want to be able to do. And... Um, that's the way we honor God, by, by continuing when we're afraid. Mm-hmm. We don't honor God by pretending we're not afraid. Mm-hmm. So yeah. all of that to say, be honest with the Lord. You don't have to tell everybody else I'm afraid. But, but be honest with the Lord. Say, you know what, Lord, you know I'm afraid. But I'm going to cast all my cares on you because I right. know you care for me. Over and over again. And, and that just kind of shuts the enemy up for a minute. Because <laughs> he still comes back as soon as you lay down. The thoughts come again, and but you know every morning God's mercy's been meeting us, mm-hmm. and we we have so much to do. You've been you've been kind of cute actually, you know, just making sure that all your pastors are aware and what to do in case of this, and you know, sitting me down and we're talking a lot more about these things. And you know, I want to put my fingers in my ear at the beginning, like most people, la 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 la. I don't want to really talk about this, but. Um, I am very um, kind of at peace. There, there is a definite peace because you already have the ducks in a row. I'm, I'm taken care of, and um, this is my church, and I trust Pastor Ken with my life too. And so, I'm good. I'm good, and I'll be, I'll be good. I promised you <laughs> that I wouldn't be mad. Yeah, and, and you know, when you get older, you talk about these kind of things, mm-hmm. and, and this is what. Being spending time in the Word together um, provides the time to talk about meaningful things. And uh, a year ago, we went through this. Yeah. Um, and and I told Paula, I said, you know, I, I just I, I want to be sure you're not mad at God. Yeah. And 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 we we worked through these things, and we had no expectation that we we're going to have to look at it again in 14 months. Sure but. Um, the truth of the matter is he's the same God. My, my biggest issue of the whole thing, Paula, is um, when they put me under, 
I'm gone. I'm unaware of anything and everything that's going on. Now, I've never been under. I don't like being under anesthesia. Uh, when we had the surgery 14 months ago, I, uh, I, I, I made him keep me awake. I don't even take pain meds. I take Tylenol. Uh, I just don't like that. But this time, because of the nature of the surgery, they're going to have to put me under. Mm-hmm. And um, what, what I will go under thinking about is, Jesus, you're sitting next to Paula. She's the one who has to experience anything and everything that's happening. Yeah. So, so put your arm around her and take care of her. And I know that he will. So um, all of that to say, when you're afraid, be honest and run to God. Um, pretending, crummy doctrine, there is no value in any of it when the realities of life we want to be like Paul and say, you know, I was hard-pressed on every side, crushed but not broken, despairing even of life, but we know that yet our hope is in him. Yeah. So we'd appreciate your prayers. I would appreciate all of you praying for Paul and praying for Pastor Ken and the church here, but I fully expect to be back uh, on this microphone. I'll be here on Monday live. I'll be here tomorrow live too, but I'll be back here on Monday live. And then the rest of the week we'll be doing some repeat broadcasts. I'll remind you about that again on Monday. Um, but I expect to be back on the air uh, the following Monday. So, Lord willing, and I hope he is, that's what will happen. Paul, 30 seconds. God bless you. And I'm sure um, that Pastor Ken or somebody will let, let you guys know Pastor Ron is doing fine and he'll be back ASAP. Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for indulging us. We don't like to get that personal, but I thought it was important today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Tomorrow at 4 o'clock, I'll be in AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.